looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Past the Post. Brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Yes, welcome to Pass the Post for Sunday, February 18. They nearly took it to a big level yesterday, Archer Park. They had a roughy called Texas Fireball that nearly pulled off a long price to plunge of the seventh race, only to be overshadowed by Sharp Dazzler. We'll speak with the trainer of Sharp Dazzler a little later in the program. And a lot before then, Ben Dorries with me to discuss it all. Good morning, Ben. Morning, David. It was all about the girls yesterday, wasn't it? Imperatrice in Melbourne, fangirl in Sydney doing her best Winx impersonation. And even up here in Brisbane, there five of the first seven winners were ridden by female jockeys. So it was a real girls' day out. It was a case, too, of the, the jigsaw pieces fitting in the right spots. We saw it with Mr Brightside last week. Uh, he was the best horse and he won the best race. And as you've alluded to, Imperatrice was the best horse and she won the best race yesterday. And from a Sydney point of view, fangirl is one of the best in Australia, and she won their main race, the Apollo Stakes. So we'll talk in detail about the Flemington meeting, also, of course, Royal Ramwick and Eagle Farm. But don't forget Archer Park Racing. Go to the website, archerparkracing.com.au. All of the yearlings they bought at the sales, they're up online there, so you can see what you can buy, as much as you want to spend or as little as you want to spend. And my horse ran third last week, Ben, for Archer Park, Scan Tune. No, it was terrific, wasn't it? I mean, normally, normally you'd be happy to run... Um yeah, third. Or, well, maybe not happy. You'd like to win a race, but third you'd settle for. Um, In a field of three. Field of three, you say. <laughs> oh, not so good. Uh-oh. That's a story for another day. Let's go to the, the feature race around Australia yesterday. It was the Group 1 Black Caviar Lightning. She'd won three of these races. And Imperatrice, uh, she's, uh, well, getting close to being champion status. And unlike Mr Brightside the previous week, when there was a bit of a gamble with Mr Brightside, there was no gamble with Imperatrice. They hammered her. $1.60 the starting price. Here's Matt Hill's replay. It's Imperatriz and Private Eye. Then came I Am Unstoppable, a length off those from Bella Nipatina, the astrologers deeper. Cylinders all coiled up and they were followed by Espiona and Rich Fortune. It's going to be a blast home at the 350. It's Imperatriz and Private Eye together. Then I Am Unstoppable, cylinder behind them from Bella Nipatina. Private Eye, Imperatriz, toe-to-toe at the 150. But Imperatriz knuckles down, gets a neck in front of Private Eye coming again. Imperatriz, the star wins. Imperatrice has won it. From Private Eye, Espiona, what a run. And then Bella Nipatina, followed by Rich Fortune, Cylinder, I Am Unstoppable, and the Astrologists. Well, that was Imperatrice's brilliant win in the Lightning yesterday. The man who must be on top of the world, David Ellis from Tiaku Racing, joins us on the show. A ninth Group 1 for your superstar, David. Uh, you must just be thrilled. Yeah, it was really, really exciting. And uh, we've just finished the sales series where we've been buying at Magic Millions and at Caraca. So uh, it all helps sell the next lot of horses. And it's just so thrilling to see what a great job Mark Walker and Ben Gleeson have done training this mare. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was obviously a lot of talk in the lead-up to this race about what people sort of viewed, I guess, as a pretty underwhelming trial from Imperatrice. What were your thoughts on that? And and is she just a mare that just gets white line fever and, and just you know, knows it's race day and does the business then and doesn't worry about trials too much? Um, well, I just have... Um, I, I don't get worried about things like that. I just have so much confidence... And Mark Walker and um, Sam Burgesson and Ben Gleeson, they just do such an amazing job training our horses. There's no point in both of us worrying. So, um, yeah, and it was was as big a thrill as you could ever get. The, the race probably didn't pan out as a lot of people thought, obviously, with, with private eye eyeballing your horse from a long way out. What, what were you sort of thinking watching it? Uh, well, I think that's a, the horse that we beat's a very good horse. Um, we like to let our horses do the talking. Um, so um, uh, it was touch and go at the 300, I thought. Um, but um, it was um, pretty exciting, the last 100. And 
I was really screaming at the TV, that's for sure. <laughs> how do you how do you rate Imperatrice with some of the, the good horses you've had over the years and some of the good horses you've seen? I mean, I suppose nine group one says it all, doesn't it? But um, where, does, where does she sit in your brain? Well, I think Avantage, uh, she won nine races at 1,200, 1,400, 1,600 and 2,000 metres. And Imperatrice is the sort of horse I'm trying to buy, a filly that can trial uh, in September, uh, race in the spring, race in the summer, and then carry on and race consistently well as three, four, five, and Imperatrice will probably have her best year as a six-year-old next season. So how, how long will we see her race on? I mean, the, the, the finish line isn't isn't close. You, you're keen to, to, to race her on for quite a while? Yeah, well, we bought the horse as a racing partnership, and uh, the owners are keen to, um, to carry on as long as she's sound. The moment she tells us that she's had enough, she'll be retired and uh, we'll put her up for sale and um, go from there. Now, I'd imagine uh, she'd be very attractive at sale. And, look, um, you know, we're only, uh, you know, less than a day after race day and the dust is probably still settling, but what looks like the next step for her uh, this autumn? And will we, do you think, see her in the TJ Smith uh, stakes in Sydney in April? Well, I think it depends what weight she gets from the new market. Uh, we would rather keep her in Melbourne, um, but uh, there's, if, if she gets too much weight in the new market, there's no option for her, no race for her for five weeks. So we're probably forced to go to the TJ Smith, but we'll really let her t- tell us um, and whether she, she wants to race again in two weeks' time or whether she needs a longer gap between races. We let the horses do the talking, so um, we'll make up our mind uh, probably next weekend. Oh, beautiful, David. Well, congratulations. You should be very proud of your horse, which I'm, I'm sure you are, and, and thanks for joining us on Past the Post this morning. You're welcome. You're listening to Radio Tab's Past the Post with David Fowler and Ben Dorries. Interesting comments there from David Ellis and probably presented more questions than answers. Uh, he seems to have left the door open for the new market. I mean, you even look at the market and she's the favourite, but considered, well, there's the doubtful bracket there. Of course, the other races, there's only a, you know, a few that she potentially could contest. There's the William Reed, which she's a eighty favourite for on the 23rd of March. And then, of course, as you outlined, the TJ Smith as part of the championships, and that race is run on April third, uh, April six. But uh, the weight will, well, according to David, the weight will determine um, whether they do go to the new market or not. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, she'll obviously get a fair bit of weight, um, which you would think, and, and I'll tell you why the tabs got her as doubtful there would potentially sway them away from that. But, the, but look, the other thing to consider is she just races so well in Melbourne, mm. and you could tell David's reluctance there in a way, to send her to Sydney, I reckon, just because Melbourne has been such a... I think that's five or six Group 1s in a, in a row in Melbourne or something. That's just incredible stuff. So clearly she thrives, you know, in training and in racing in Melbourne. So, look, weight does stop trains, um, but it may not stop in territories if they go that way. She's developing uh, a very strong picket fence and her overall record is simply outstanding. 18 wins from 24 starts. Opie Boss and Raider considers, considers her the best horse he's ridden. Mark Walker does the training, and it was well discussed that that trial at Cranbourne, and even the connections themselves. I know sometimes they'll say, "Oh no, everything's okay," but even they were disappointed by the trial. But I think the the, the weather has been a factor for her in Melbourne. It's been quite warm there, and in fact, if not hot during summer, but they've accommodated that and got around it. And apparently, after a good workout on Monday, she was right to go, and right uh, she certainly was. And it was a good race to watch, wasn't it? Because who would have thought, Private Eye? would have been up there vying for the lead with Imperatrice. No one, I would suggest. Yeah, no one in the world, at least of all Joe Pride, who I saw on social media last night, said, uh, no, that's not the way we wanted to, to ride this horse. But I think it was just a victim of circumstances, really. The, the private eye jumped well, Imperatrice was there. I think it was pretty slow early. 
who just kind of found himself there, really. I don't think it was any fault of Blake Shin necessarily. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, those two from, you know, 400 out, basically, they were just going to fight out the finish. And I love races like that. Actually, someone I was sitting in the, uh, sitting in the press box at Eagle Farm yesterday and someone said it was slightly reminiscent, not the same sort of thing. Remember when um, Alligator Blood and Catalyst went at it? In mm. the, was that the CSAs, maybe? Yeah, um, I think it was. And it wasn't kind of that sort of thing. But, but you know, I could see what they were saying. And, and those those match races, for want of a better word, they're, they're just thrilling. And to be honest, I thought Providol was going to get Imperatrice's measure with 200 to go. Well, you, and, and knowing Providol is, oh, is a horse who is strong in his races, you certainly wouldn't expect him to be stopping at 1,000 metres. But uh, a bit like Mr Brightside's race last week, it was a great race to watch. It was a great spectacle because you were never quite certain what was going to happen. Uh, so Imperatrice, of course, takes the honours. Uh, Private Eye, very good in second. Espiona, she'll go to the new market. Terrific run in third, uh, hitting the line well. And her sectionals would have been impressive. Overall time for the race, 57.54. Nothing flashed there. Home in 32.58. So Private Eye and Imperatrice, they, they, they set up shop very early there, controlled it. But in the end, the best horse won. I'm an unstoppable from the stewards' room. Uh, well, Jamie Carr reported that... Uh, there was a respiratory noise and a slow recovery after a vet check. So a little concern there with I am unstoppable. But that was the lightning. And as we say with Imperatrice, uh, new market, question mark. Certainly I'd say the William Reed on the 23rd. And then I, I, I hope I hope she goes to Sydney, don't you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, to me, that TJ Smith is the sprint race of the autumn. Uh, like, I, 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 you know, I mean... The, the autumn Everest. Sorry? It's the Autumn Everest. Yeah, it is. I mean, look, the new markets, are, uh, I, was actually, I think I was actually at Lightning Stakes Day last year. Um, that's a terrific day. New market's a terrific race. But it just sort of all seems to culminate to me in that race in Sydney. And there's just something about them coming up the rise there at Randwick. And, um, yeah, I hope she goes there too. And it does seem appropriate that Imperatrice should be there as part of the championships because she has become one. Let's go to uh, some of the other feature races from Flemington yesterday. The feature race for the Mayors was the... Francis, Francis Trasadi Stakes was at Group 3 level. Wishlaw Lass was first up and was the favourite. It sparkled with on the outside Forbidden City. Wishlaw Lass is leaving their slipstream three wide. Revolutionary Miss edging away from the rails. Then came Fortunate Kiss and Treasured Star from Eternal Flame and Reva Porter stoking up out wider at odds. But Forbidden City struck, struck the front here. 250 metres to go. Kicked about a length and a quarter. Revolutionary Miss back to the inside. Wishlaw Lass is a bit flat and Fortunate Kiss the outside. Forbidden City at the 150. Revolutionary Miss is chipping away on the inside and took the front then fortunate kiss revolutionary misses just in front and wins revolutionary miss from forbidden city fortunate kiss and late foxy frida then wishlaw lass and eternal flame next terror star riverport treasured star and a long last after leading sparkle yes revolutionary miss another black type win on the board uh mickey d riding for peter and paul snowden Good day for the Snowden stable yesterday in two states. And let's have a chat with Peter Snowden now. He's our next guest on, on Past the Post. Peter, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. Yeah, well, thanks. And thanks for joining us. As I said, a good day a good day at the office, uh, not only in Melbourne and Flemington, but also at Royal Rambic. We'll talk about that shortly. But revolutionary, Miss, I mean, just to sum up briefly, she's just a damn good mayor. Oh, she's done a great job, my word, she has, and... Especially the older she gets, the better she gets. So the last couple of trips have been excellent. And uh, she just really learned how to win now. And that was a showcase that yesterday, a very determined win. Of course, Peter, we saw her on the Gold Coast on Magic Millions Day. So, look, probably she, she may have had a, a bit of a fitness edge over some of her rivals yesterday, which which probably did help her. Oh, for sure. And she's got a nice soft draw too. So a few things in a favour. That's why we had her in at, at uh, Randwick as well. Uh, between 9 and 9, they had a pretty sharp field. And, uh, and it wasn't a bad field yesterday either, but uh, that one converted uh, one alley. Yeah, that was that was a telling point for me. You know, she's going to get a soft run, an economical run. And, and uh, as you said, fitness on the side, she, she stuck it out well yesterday. She's already won three group races. She's also group one place twice in the, the Blue Diamond and also the, the Thousand Guineas. Am I right in saying she's likely to end her racing career this year? Absolutely, yeah. No, it's, I think it's it'll been locked in, in in concrete now. That um, I think it's a June sale to Easter. Uh, she'll she'll go there May or June sale. So, uh, Rubens sale, which is always a really good sale, and a meal like this will bring a fortune. So, 
Uh, now it's, they're going to have fun. Uh, still got a few months to go, and she's a pretty durable mare. She only needs a week of 10 days freshen up, and away you go again. So uh, we know her pretty well now, so I no doubt the owner's going to have a bit more fun with her. And what about the king? The king king of Sparta, he's the king of the Gold Coast, uh, now the king of Sydney. That was uh, some yeah. sort of win yesterday. And just watching that race, it was a visually exciting race, wasn't it? Obviously, with Bonus Nachos out, out at the tail, you... you sort of ahead of the favourite and the, the, the sort of tearaway leader. It was a, a thrilling race, race to watch. Uh, it was, and to be fair, he hasn't won at Randwick before, which is, I, I, actually, I, I should know, but I didn't necessarily t- take a lot of notice of it. It was mentioned yesterday, but that's, a lot of those races have been really, really high-quality races. He's run terrific seconds and thirds and blistering sectionals, but hasn't actually won. So um, good to get that, that monkey off his back. Uh, but the, the way he won it too was just, and indicative of the horse's ability of late. He's really got a real grit about him now. He finds the line. He really does knuckle down and has a good crack. So uh, it's something he lacked a little bit early days, but now he's a more mature horse. He likes winning now, and he's, he's making fun of it. And the, the aim for him is the Quokka at Ascot in Perth in April. Uh, what's the plan heading towards that, or does he go straight to that race? Yeah, we're still a couple of months away. I think it's the second week of April, which is only into February now, so... March, I'm not sure. There's an option. The perfect day would be Galaxy Day at Rose Hillborough and Fortieth. The Group One Leverhunter is not really his cup of tea. So, I, yeah, I'll think about that. Look, this horse you can even trial him um, once or twice in between that time. That's all he needs just to keep him, keep him up to the mark. Good fresh horse. All you need to have him is about 90% fit, and that 10% that he's you haven't got him screwed down. There's a 10% that really unloads on in a race. So, it worked out just a little bit less is better than having too much. Uh, and it's, it's working brilliantly at the, at the moment. Did you expect your horse to be in front of Bonus Nachos in the run yesterday no. or not? No, not at all. I thought we'd probably be 1-1 one, one or, or a pair further back, but uh, when he was settled behind us and uh, he's behind a, the outsider, I, thought, I watched the race, I thought, well, we've got him where we want him because he's going to find it hard to give us like a head start and, and strung up behind a, an outsider. So, uh, now we had a few favours in the run, but... Uh, he had to do a lot of work inside the last 300 metres, though, and he did it well. I want to talk about that trial at Warwick Farm on Monday. You had Don Corleone and Kings Gambit. Don Corleone won the trial. We haven't seen him since the Coolmore. And Kings Gambit, something of a forgotten horse because he missed the the the, the Coolmore. Uh, you're happy with both out of the trial on Monday? Yeah, excellent. They both head to Caulfield next Saturday, actually. Uh, okay. Kings Gambit's running in the, in the uh, Group 1... Um, uh, group, well, what is it now? Group one race next Saturday um, at Caulfield, and um, and John Kilioni's in the McNeil Group three after three year olds. So two good races for him, uh, for both horses, and they're ready to go. They've both had two trials that wound right up, and they're in good order. And uh, what's the latest on Bodyguard? Obviously, the equal favourite for the Blue Diamond. All, all eyes will be on that horse next Saturday. Yeah, he's in good shape. I've stayed in Melbourne, been down there a couple of weeks now. And, Keep a close eye on him and High Octane, and both horses have been exceptional well, and I'm very, very happy with both. Good to talk to you, uh, Peter. Thanks for that, and congratulations to you and Paul on a, a good day yesterday. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks very much. There is Peter Snowden talking with us, and revolutionary miss um, getting the job done. And you know, good barriers do do help. She had a good. Good barrier, a good ride, and a good run in transit, and she was the best horse. Yeah, Michael D is becoming a lot of people's, you know, maybe not favourite jockey, but certainly second or third favourite jockey. He's won a lot of big races. This wasn't a, a big race yesterday, but, um, you know, good steer, obviously, added by the barrier, but uh, very much a man in demand, Michael D. Wishlaw Lass was the favourite, uh, pulled up lame, so we'll need a vet certificate before it starts again. That was the Francis Trasati Stakes. Let's continue our look back at Flemington yesterday and we'll go to another black tie. This is the Group 3 C.S. Hayes, one of the key lead-ups to the Australian Guineas. Our favourite of the race was Otago at $3.70. Fat Cat at the 450 with Ambassadorial. Amur on the outside. Flying Valley stoked up behind them. And then came Run Harry Run down the centre of the track from Amigo. Where are the swoopers? Vidadge trying to get into the clear. Riff Rockets very wide. Hey, Fat Cat still had a bit to offer. 200 metres to go. Two lengths. Here's Riff Rocket and King Colorado now over the top. Riff Rocket took the front at the 100 from King Colorado. Terrific return. Riff Rocket spun it by a length. Second King Colorado. A photo for third. 
between Otago and Vidad. They were followed by Hey Fat Cat, who's run a bold race, Cap Ferrara, Amigo and Townhauser. They were followed by Run Harry, Run Etta, Brute, Amur, Flying Valley and Ambassadorial. This horse made a statement in the spring. He won the Victoria Derby. He certainly made a statement yesterday. You know, I think most thought he might have a red flashing light on him in this race, you know, flashing home at the end. He flashed home all right in first place. It was a brilliant performance to win. How on earth are they going to beat him in the Australian Guineas? I mean, he was first up off a, off a derby, if you don't mind. I think Mahogany might have once done that. I mean, horses, you know, to be mentioned in the same breath as Mahogany, I'm not suggesting he's Mahogany, but, I mean, incredible performance, really. Um, I mean, look, I think King Colorado was good, the second favourite um, for the Guineas, but I can't really see them unless, you know, he draws wide or there's shocking luck or doesn't come up for some reason. Gee whiz, the Australian Guineas looks his for the taking, doesn't it? And he loves Flemington as well, loves those big stretches. I heard Craig Williams post-race talking about him yesterday and he said he's, I hate using this expression, but I can't think of anything, any other one off the top of my head at the time. He still thinks the penny hasn't dropped with this horse. He's still a work in progress. That's understandable. It was only his eighth start yesterday, his fifth win. You mentioned the Australian Guineas. It's in a fortnight's time. He's $3.50. The horse he beat, King Colorado, would lose no admirers. It's at $5 with V8 at 8. Snow Patrol, Verdad, who was third in the race yesterday, $8 and zip away at $9. But certainly all honours with Riff Rocket. Let's have a look back now at the... Uh, race for the Phillies. This was the, the Tab Vanity, Group 3. It's Grinzinger Bell, 350 metres to go, leading two lengths to in second, Infatuation, followed by Inez and Tylus, Luizica, Molly Nickers down the outside with French Endeavour, Grinzinger Bell, full bore at the 150, still had a buffer, about two and a half lengths, French Endeavour and Molly Nickers, Grinzinger Bell punched out, needs the line late, Grinzinger Bell, but she's done enough, Grinzinger Bell, good effort from the wide draw, a bobbing go second, French Endeavour or Molly Nickers, and then came Infatuation Next was Pink Shandon, Basilina, Luizica, then Material Dreams, La Casona, Inez, and Donegal was at the tail of the field. This is the, the, the girls' version of the, the CSAs, the vanity, and probably considered not as strong as the, the CSAs, and that's reflected in the market. Grinzinger Bell, a $15 chance for the, the Guineas at a fortnight. She was a $12 chance yesterday. Danny O'Brien and Damien Lane and able to win first up. She graduated well during the spring. She, she won a maiden at a Sandown in the spring and then just kept on improving. Finally got to the uh, stage where she ran midfield in the Ethereal and then ran behind Skybird in that race at uh, the Valley on Cox Plate Day. So she's made a good return with both French Endeavour and Molly Nickers running well. Now here's a race that caused a lot of discussion, robust discussion, and right within the uh, the circle itself of the, the trainer and the jockey, I talk about Jimmy Starr, backed as if unbeatable, one of the shortest price favourites we've seen for a long time on a Saturday Metro meeting, and he's in front as we pick up the replay. It's Jimmy Starr from Savannah Cloud. Not an option. Stoked up. Kabling behind them on the rails. Then riddle me that Carini, followed by Crosshaven, who sticks to the inside from Macram Windstorm. Jimmy Starr at the 300 metres. Shook up here. Savannah Cloud's close on the outside and just about eyeballs it. Jimmy Starr still has a bit to do. Savannah Cloud's getting closer. Jimmy Starr just from Savannah Cloud. Here's Macram on the outside. Jimmy Starr fighting, but Macram the bolter. Macram's got up to win from Jimmy Starr. Savannah Cloud in a photo for third with Carini. Then Barkley Square, Kabling, Windstorm, not an option. Pashiro, Crosshaven. And at the tail of the field was Riddle Me That. Well, it was a race of extremes, wasn't it? I mentioned we don't often see a $1.26 favourite on a Saturday get bowled over. But we don't often see a $151 chance win as well. And this was the case for Team Hayes and Macram. First up since the Kunji, rattling home to beat Jimmy Starr. But post-race, there was a blow-up. Kieran Ma blew up the trainer of... Well, he didn't blow himself up. He blew up Craig Williams. <laughs> yeah, he certainly did. He, this reminded me of Giga Kick, Craig Williams and, uh, and Giga Kick, which all the shenanigans after that. But he said, look, and I'll quote him directly, he said, Craig just had an absolute brain fade. That was not the plan. It had never been discussed. He's talking about leading. A very, very poor ride. Just stupid. So, look, he certainly called a spade a spade there. Um, look, I, I don't really know what to make of it. I mean, look, I'm going to sound like a real smart ass saying this, but in hindsight, 
I mean, this horse started at a dollar twenty-six. I mean, we're not talking about a dollar seventy or a dollar eighty. It had come off winning a benchmark eighty-four, and before that, a class three. So should it have gone out a dollar twenty-six in the first place? I think there was sometimes this hype priced into these horses, like it's mm. got a ticket in the All Star Mile. Uh, you know, it's in those famous Aussie Kerr colours. Uh, it's you, you know, like I, I don't know. What do you think? Well, a couple of things to come out of it. Um, it started a dollar twenty-six. It opened up, I think, around a dollar forty, dollar fifty. So, putters, when they're happy to take the short odds at such short odds, there's a lot of confidence there. But I'll say a couple of things. <clears throat> if it can't lead and win that race, yeah, hundred percent. How's it going to win all summer? But also, if it had led and won, do you think Kieran might be blowing up? Yeah, I not I... in the sl- absolute size. And the other thing is this: just expanding on on what you quoted him saying. In the subsequent stewards' inquiry, when they're probably a little bit more settled and reserved and, and collected their thoughts, he said he gave one instruction to Williams to put the horse where it was comfortable. All right, that, that's a that's a uh, a fair instruction, but there's a bit of bit of you know fluid around it. Williams explained. He said, "I came out." He said, "There were other horses came out with me." He said, do I sit wide or push forward? He's on a dollar twenty-six chance, the best horse, well, seemingly the best horse in the race. He pushes forward. But even then, again, to, to, to Mars' assertion, oh, it couldn't be ridden that way, it wasn't like he ripped along at some rip-roaring speed. They ran the first half mile in 48. We'd run it ourselves. The horse was disappointing. Maybe it is better ridden quietly, but the circumstances dictated to Williams that he was trap-wide, so he went forward on it. So I just found... Uh, Kiramar's comments, and you know, he's a very, very, very good trainer, might have just been a bit heat of the moment stuff. I don't think I've ever agreed with you more strongly. I, I, I agree with you. I concur with you. What are some other words for agree and concur? Well, oh, I, I, think, know. I, I don't know what I can add. I think you've summed it up perfectly. We'll think about that. But anyway, uh, Jimmy Starr is still there at the All-Star Mile. Let's listen to our final replay from Flemington yesterday. We'll go to the two-year-old race, the Talon Dude. Heading towards the course proper, 700 metres to go. It's Winchester just shading counter-offensive, Bitter Creek deeper. They were followed by Wolfgang, who's persisting with a run-up on the inside from Continental Kiss. They were, they were followed by Eject, who's under pressure. Aardvark's trying to slide into it, followed by Fully Calculated. 300 metres to go, counter-offensive in front, but it's got company. Winchester the outside. They were followed by Bitter Creek, and Aardvark is running on counter-offensive with 100 metres to go, trying to stave them off. But Aardvark's the threat. Aardvark takes the lead and came clear. Aardvark won it well. Reasonable point from the cloud second. Bitter Creek third and then counter-offensive who got the stitch. Next eject and they were followed by Winchester and Pro Forma. Back in the field, Continental Kiss. Wolfgang got tired. Every, every, every time I see this horse's name, for our older listeners will appreciate this. You're, you're too young maybe, Ben, but... Remember Graham Kennedy? Yeah. Of the Crow Call? No. You don't remember it? No, I don't have Graham Go- Kennedy. Well, old. Google up the Crow Call. It's one of those most famous moments in what was a wonderful career. But uh, Yeah, elaborate. No, no, I, I, I can't, but Aardvark. Just, ah, okay, yeah. You get... No, obviously. Has this fallen flat? No, no. Shall, well, should maybe, we start again? Maybe. Hey, listen, in um, fairness, I thought that was a wonderful win. I don't reckon that James Harron would have... Sent many horses to Lean and Troy Corsons, no. if any, before. Uh, I don't know what the plans are with this horse. Uh, I doubt probably he'd run in the Blue Diamond unless, um, you know, the, the, the trainers really wanted. But a race like the size in Sydney over 1,400, I reckon it'd be right. Potentially, you know, that horse's sweet spot. That was only 1,100 metres yesterday and looked just to be getting warm at the end, really. Big day next Saturday, of course, at Caulfield. Three Group 1s, the Blue Diamond, the Oakley Plater. That's the race King's Gambit, of course, is in. He's a $3.50 favourite and, of course, the Futurity. So looking forward to that. Guess who will be there? You. No, I won't be there. But my father-in-law, uh, it's his 70th birthday, and I've organised him and his, uh, him and my mother-in-law tickets to the Black Caviar restaurant there. I've paid for them, of course. It's not no freebies in... Allowed. And you bought so, me that bottle of champagne as well, so you must have had a win somewhere along the line. Well, we'll discuss that with one of our later guests, David. Okay, fair enough. Let's take a break. This is Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Archerparkracing.com.au. Back in a moment.
looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Racing at Royal Randwick yesterday, we had several black tie braces. Let's go to the Group 2 Apollo. Fangirl was making her racetrack return after what was a wonderful spring for her. A very popular mare and well-backed as well. $2.10 in favourite is Darren Flindell's call. Sabalis has a tractable free striding in the lead, out by a length and a half to think it over, followed by Navajo Peak, then Lindemann in fourth position, Arapahoe the rails. Now Militarizer starting to take closer order, moving up with a trail and Fangirl is hooking deep with that cover as they straighten up. Attractable swings in front from think it over a half length away, then came Navajo Peak. Fangirl is starting to rattle down the outside of the track and in a stride, James McDonald let the mare go and Fangirl quickly put three links on them think it over second and then came militarised but fangirl what a beauty, what a return to racing fangirl trounces them militarised second, think it over third good go for fourth position Lindemann, Navajo Peak and Buckaroo, then Attractable Arapaho and Cascadian and an appropriate result she was the best horse in the race and the best horse won, she gave them a start she gave them a beating, $2.10 favourite, J-Mac riding for Chris Waller and one twenty-one sixty-three, so a good gallop as well. Yeah, I saw Ray Thomas wrote this this morning, and I think Anthony Manton was tweeting about it yesterday. If you close your eyes, you actually—I know it sounds ridiculous—but you actually would have thought that was Winks. Like that, just just cruised up to them and just said, "See you later." Like that was that was Fangirl's best performance, I think. I mean, certainly visually, like she was just spectacular, and she was back to say she was unbeatable. She was unbeatable. Um, and now, it, you know, it looks like that she'll probably follow the same trail that, that Winks did so many years, uh, you know, in a row going to the, the Chipping Norton, which I think is now called the, the Very Elegant, George Ryder, Queen Elizabeth, that sort of route. So, um, gee whiz. She doesn't want it wet, obviously, fangirl. That's the no. one thing against her. So if it rains or you, you get a rain-affected track, she's in trouble. But outside of that, gee whiz, that's a sum turn of foot. I think even Chris Waller made this point yesterday. It's good that people are now acknowledging fangirl. She was unfortunate because there was one, you know, more than one campaign there when we had that big wet in Sydney and she, she's not adept on you know, uh, heavy tracks. But also she was unlucky to a degree where she kept running into Animo when Animo was high-flying. And, I mean, this, this, she joined sort of a, a, a select group of horses that over the years, over the decades, they're great horses in their own right, but they run into an era where there's a champion. Think of the horses, you know, I can't name off the top of my head at the moment, think of the horses that raced against Winks week in, week out, running second and third all the time. Great horses themselves, but just running into Winks, similarly with Black Caviar. Think of Haylist all the time, running into Black Caviar. So Fangirl kept running into Animo. He's gone now. She's there in her own, own right. As Spring, as we said, was good. She won the... She was a dual group one winner. She won the King Charles. She won, she won the Winks. And, of course, considered a little unlucky the Cox Plate, cluttered up there and then Ran in the Cantala, but a great return by her. And I think most of the uh, beaten division ran respectably, militarised in second and think it over in third. There was a big betting drift on militarised before the race, which just made you think that this, uh, you know, he's, he's just not wound up for this. I think might have been three eighty at the $6.50, may have even touched $7 there at one point. So, look... Red second was never going to win, um, but clearly there's a lot more to come with that horse. The three-year-old fillies make their traditional return in the autumn in the, the light fingers. In fact, I think 12 of the 14, 11 of the 13 runners were first up. The favourite in an open betting race was learning to fly. We hadn't seen her since she struck bad bother in the slipper, and she was set out at $4.20 yesterday. Facile leads here from Ima Steel at the 7.50. Cristilli left without cover. Then Autumn Ballet on the inside of Kamachi. Mumbai Muses three out. A gap of two for the back to Kind Words. They're followed further back by Learning to Fly. So Chad Schofield's going to ride for luck up on the inside. Then came Artic Glamour, Steffi Magnetica. Tis Invincible's last but has clear running getting to the outside and Learning to Fly's out now coming to the middle of the track. Facile leads the way from Cristilli. Kamachi coming off heels. Learning 
learning to fly is winding up. Tis Invincible four lengths away. Learning to fly down the middle and Kamachi through the middle. Learning to fly and Kamachi. Learning to fly the outside of Kamachi. Stride for stride. Kamachi. Kamachi does it today. Kamachi a half head on the line to learning to fly. Third, I think, Steffi Magnetica. Then came Chris Deli from Arctic Glamour and Tis Invincible. It didn't go well for her from the wide draw. Then Facile Autumn Ballet. Uh, kind words and stopping pretty sharply there was I'm a steal and Mumbai Muse. We often say in racing uh, a horse deserves a win. Well, in terms of Kamachi, she deserved a times 10. You've never seen a more honest horse at a top level get beaten so many times, often unluckily, often narrowly, but it was her day yesterday. Gary Portelli's a trainer and he joins us now. Gary, good morning. Good morning to you too. Congratulations on yesterday, and I think I'm sure you would echo my thoughts that uh, she was she's been so good uh, in every start she's had. And what about yesterday, about the hundred metres when learning to fly loomed up? What did you think? Here we go again. <laughs> That's what we thought. Uh, but you know, I think the difference was finally she drew inside the mm. better chances, and that's been what's beaten her a couple of times. She's invincible. Drew inside of the times she beat her and had better runs than us. Um, you know, it's just been you know, tactics have come against us a couple of times and she's been narrowly beaten. But, look, everything went to plan. She had a beautiful ride in behind them and um, got out the right time and just had that... Um, she had the residual fitness from a big campaign, um, which got her over the line where uh, learning to fly was probably just starting to gas out a little bit after being off the scene for so long. Congratulations, Gary. You've obviously got a nom for some big races during uh, the autumn surround stakes, uh, Queen Elizabeth Stakes, Australian Oaks, Queen of the Turf. So, look, there's plenty of things to choose from. What, what are you thinking about for, a, for an autumn path for her? Um, it, we'll, we'll probably make a decision after a next run. Um, so there's plenty of races we've nominated for, but she's also nominated for the chairman's uh, broodmare sale. So I'm not sure what um, her criteria is other than the trial with a group one uh, before that sale. Uh, she's also um, nominated for Hong Kong. The owner's from Hong Kong, Leo Toe, and um, he's been speaking to them over there, and there might be a chance she could get an invitation if her form holds together. So basically it's just a, a world's an oyster at the moment. It just comes down to you know what we do next start in the surround. If she wins the group one, I'm hoping he turns around and says, well, let's not sell her, let's, uh, let's try and make more prize money out of, with her. You know, that's the thing. is that She might be worth 2 or $3 million as a broodmare, but, you know, some of these races she's going to be racing in over the, potentially over the next 12 months or so could be worth, you know, 3 and 4 $5 million for a win um, each. So, you know, we to weigh it up. You alluded to this before uh, about residual fitness. And you're right in saying during the spring she had a very solid campaign, but obviously uh, she reacts well to racing. She handles racing well. Loves being in the stable. She's she um, yeah she's she's an easy horse to train now that she's matured a little bit more. Now she's only three, but she was quite a hot horse to start with. Just gets sweaty in the morning at track work and really buzzy, very very energetic. And um, her regular track work rider. Uh, Leo Ribeiro is a really good horseman and he just kept exposing her to things that were worrying her um, until such time that she she found that nothing really worries her anymore and she now she goes to the races and she she hardly turns her hair. She gets a little bit hot, which is part of her makeup, but doesn't get buzzy and, and annoyed. So um, but a lot of work to get her mentally right and um, and now she's uh, she's in great order. So she had that residual fitness from a big campaign where she went deep into the spring. Uh, to be beaten again at Group 1 level in 1,000 guineas. Um, Craig Williams got off and said, look, can't wait to ride this filly when she gets to 10 furlongs. So, and that's something we've always thought she would get out to. So to win at 1,200 first up against the best fillies in New South Wales anyway was pretty exciting. Two last questions from me, Gary. One of you, uh, another one of your big name horses, NCAP, obviously was runner-up in the, the uh, Group 1 Golden Rose last spring, resumed... It was third in the Eskimo Prince. What's the plans with him? And also, second question, I understand you were fishing on the Hawkesbury River this morning. Did you catch anything? <laughs> we did catch, yeah, caught a couple. Nothing worth uh, writing about. Um, um, and um, we we let them go. We're not in... You know, they've sort of had a big weekend. You really don't feel like going home and uh, cleaning <laughs> up the fish. So 
We let them go, but we did take photos for proof. So we've had, we've at least caught some fish, had a good day together. Just my father and my son out shot, out fishing was good. Um, and uh, NCAP's, the, your first question, NCAP is going to Hobart Bill next week. And depending on how hard he hits the line over the 1,400, more than likely step up to the round with Giddy's third up. Fair enough. Good on you, mate. Good day yesterday. She deserved that win, as we said at the start. We'll sailing into the finish, uh, and she's a very, very good filly. And wherever she heads, whatever happens, uh, we wish her well. Thanks very much for your call. Gary Portelli joining us, the trainer of Komochi, a $6.50 chance, bidding learning to fly. Terrific run first up, considering she hadn't raced since the slipper, with Christillian third. That's the best losing ride I've seen in a year, I reckon. Chad Schofield on learning to fly. That was uh, He actually deserved to win. The ride was that good. Market framers have, or uh, Tab Fix has, learning to fly $3.50 for the Group 1 surround, which is in two weeks' time. All these big races are right on our doorstep. Kamachi, despite beating learning to fly, $6. Tis invincible. I thought the run was sound without being outstanding yesterday. $6. And, of course, Macarena, who was so good on the Eskimo Prince at $8. She rounds out those at single figures. We're looking back at Royal Randwick yesterday. Let's go to, uh, we'll discuss this earlier, but we'll have a listen to Key of Sparta's win in the Group 2 Expressway. Malkovich goes further in front, really seizing the opportunity. Is today the day for Malkovich? Opens up by six now on Cole Crusher. Four further back to Golden Mile. Thomas Notcher still back last. Inside the 300 metres, Malkovich with a long lead from Cole Crusher falling away. King of Sparta starting to wind up, but still a little big gap off them. It's Malkovich, he's getting tired now. King of Sparta down the outside and Cole Crusher digging. Here's the King. King of Sparta over the top. King of Sparta beat Cole Crusher. Malkovich scrambled into third, I fancy, just in front of Wattis Notches, just too far back. Then straight ace, a golden mile didn't pick up. Wester Dolby was last. I understand Peter Snowden's thinking when he said earlier the monkey was off the back in terms of breaking its uh, maiden status at Randwick. I think it had had um, seven runs there for five placings, but has cracked it for a win. Um considered in some respects, and this is no disrespect to those, a one-trick paddings of the Gold Coast profile, the Magic Millions profile, but um, regardless of that, he still earned over $3 million, so uh, where, wherever you win, it's the money that counts in the end. Funny thing racing is, I'm convinced, well, I was before yesterday, that Pontus Nachos is a three- or four-length horse, a better horse than King of Sparta, but just the racing circumstances sometimes, and this time of year as well, I mean, this wasn't an odd result. It was the second favourite, King of Sparta. But can just throw up... I mean, we saw in Melbourne, didn't we? The dollar twenty six pop went under. We saw a few favourites go down in Sydney. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, you can just only give credit to King of Sparta. I think if Nashville Willer had his time again on Bundes Nachos, he may have ridden... Well, he would have ridden that horse differently. He said that um, a series of circumstances within the first 200 metres, 300 metres, prevented him from being where he wanted to be. It's quite an extensive stewards report... Uh, then what do you make of the run in the straight? Like, he's missed the play, he's missed the top three. It wasn't like they went slowly and it was a sprint home. He wasn't disadvantaged by a pedestrian pace. Malkovich carted them along. I thought he might have done a little better, Bonas Notches. I reckon if he was on King of Sparta's back or in front of King of Sparta, he probably wins, even though he got beaten a length and a half. Yeah. Look, I think, you know, when you, when you look at the wash-up of it, yeah, he didn't run a place. But from where he was, I know what you're saying about the speed and he had, had a chance to run on, but, I mean, he couldn't see him with binoculars at one point. He pulled up one out of five lame as well, so he'll need a vet certificate before he runs again. And Golden Mile looked ordinary, but there might be a physical issue there. It was found to be coughing after the race. Let's go to the Trisco at Group 3 level. And uh, Alentia, first up, $2.60, ran the favourite. Penthouse and either or dominant leaders coming around the turn. Same as on the inside being nudged along. Diamond Dealer flat to the board, Samantha the outside, and Alentia staying now to the inside running rail. Up the rise and it's Penthouse and either or. Alentia's coming right into it behind, but all cluttered up at the moment as Samana gets going on the outside. Alentia had a bit of a flat spot there, and Samana went into overdrive, and Samana and Same Now Alentia's bursting along the rails, but it's Samana in front with a clear running and Samana beat Alentia a half length. Same as Eek third, then Miss Fabergé. Further back to Diamond Dealer, Penthouse, either Roar, and she's all class. Samana was the $4.42nd favourite. Jason Collard riding for the Mars Stable, the, the Kieran Mars Stable. Coming out of that Magic Millions win, uh, I felt Alentia 
might have been unlucky. I, I don't know if, I wouldn't say he made an error, Tommy Berry, but when he went to the inside, basically Samana was in full flight. And between about the 400 and the 250, Aledia had plenty to offer but just couldn't go anywhere. And all of a sudden, once she sees the inside run, uh, she couldn't quite pick up Samana. He also protested, Berry, in this race. It was rather an ambitious protest but the 1,000 metres. What's the point of protesting a 1,000 metres from home? I mean, that, that's got a one-in-one billion chance of getting upheld, Julia. But having said that, I think Alentia should have won the race. Yeah, and in, and also in partial defence to, to Barry, uh, Jason Collins did get suspended for causing interference to Alentia in that first part of the race, but a little too far out, I would suggest. Final replay from Sydney yesterday as we're going towards the Golden Slipper on March 23. Let's listen to the Piero plate. Switzerland was the favourite, but Shangri-La Express was a firm second-elect. Shangri-La Express leads for home by a length and a half. On Switzerland being wound up in second in Rich Travels up well and further back to Fly Fly Shangri-La Express under siege now from Switzerland in the middle. Enrich the outside. Extreme Divas next inside the 200 and now Switzerland opens the shoulders. Really lays it down to Shangri-La Express is fighting on doggedly but Switzerland too strong at the end and Switzerland two out of two. Wins the Piero plate beating Shangri-La Express who really stuck to the task. Extreme Divas Diva running well in third, followed by Fly Fly, then came Giovanna. Enrich travelled up well but didn't find a great deal and finished towards the rear with Tardelli. They hold second and third positions on the tabs, uh, Golden Slipper, fixed odds market, Swiss, Switzerland at $6 and Shangri-La Express at 9 But of course, Stormboy, a clear favourite of $3, trailing like a bomb during the week. We'll talk about that tomorrow. But uh, both good two-year-olds, uh, can they beat Stormboy? Yeah, I think Switzerland may be able to. Um, I reckon there's significant upside there. The fascinating thing now is James McDonald and Ryan Moore, who rides which horse. Obviously, we saw James McDonald trial Storm Boy. Um, I would imagine Ryan Moore would get his pick, though, being the, the you know, full-time Coolmore retained rider. I know James McDonald rides a lot for Coolmore, but it, it, having said that, it'll, it'll be interesting. But I would probably expect at this stage that Ryan Moore would be on Storm Boy. That was racing at Royal Randwick yesterday. Let's turn our attention to Eagle Farm. The seventh race of the day was set up as a clash between Jungle Prince and Captain Finkel, two lightly raced but progressive three-year-olds. But in the end, the putters went one way. It was all Jungle Prince and Captain Finkel blew right out. Here's the replay. 500 left to run. There's been a little change to the order. Captain Finkel will turn into the straight in front. Let's see what gas is in the tank and let's see what Jungle Prince can do now. Texas Fireball goes back to the inside to give chase to that lead pair. Then Meet Payani and Sharp Dazzler is running on strongly down the outside. Soon afterwards, Jungle Prince went up and hit the lead. Texas Fireball's a danger. And right down the outside, Sharp Dazzler and Meet Payani. Captain Finkel's gone. Jungle Prince is gone as well. It's on the inside, Texas Fireball. Now swallowed up by Sharp Dazzler. Dazzler, Sharp Dazzler appreciating the mile, raced away over the final part, and Sharp Dazzler beat Texas Fireball. Photo third, Meek Payani or Jungle Prince, pretty plain. Then came Jealous, UK Squeeze, no better time, followed by the Inflector and Captain Fenkel. Well, he turned to the real shocker and ran last. Well, it was disappointing uh, for Tony and Maddie Sears with Jungle Prince, but uh, they levelled up in no uncertain manner because they trained the winner, Sharp Dazzler. And as I said in the broadcast there, appreciating the mile and the big track and everything going right for him. No bad luck yesterday for Sharp Dazzler. He put his best foot forward. Tony Sears is with us on the line. Tony, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. Uh, you might have heard my call. I said Jungle Prince pretty plain. I've had a look back, um, probably a little bit bit harsh. Uh, he did over-race yesterday. Uh, were you still a little disappointed with him? Um, possibly, um yeah, I think when uh, Ryan come back, the first thing he said that take the blinkers off him, which, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I, like, we were very surprised that he actually jumped out and pulled like that, you know, because mm. I, I, I sort of had him, uh, thought we would have had him back sort of, you know, four, fifth, six, somewhere back there. But he just jumped out and uh, grabbed hold of the bit and, um, you know, they just, uh, he, I, th- I thought he'd done a pretty good job to finish fourth um, because even Ryan said that he was entitled to probably run run back near last the way he pulled, you know. So mm. you gotta take a lot of um take a lot of notice those good jockeys like that, they seem to know and um he's quite happy. He said uh, take the blinkers off him and you'll probably see a different horse. Sharp Dazzler, you you winner of the race, Tony. He wasn't the shock of the century for you, was he, that he got up. I mean he'd won the start before but had raced without a lot of luck and without a lot of clear air at the, the midweeks on, on a couple of occasions. 
you know, my assistant trainer, Ben Dorries, during the week told me it was a very good thing, he thought. So uh, I, was, oh. I wasn't at all when he won. <laughs> Gee, you, 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 you've had two Christmas days this year. Yes, I have. <laughs> right. Sorry. Well, I must uh, admit, we did we did talk about it, and I and I and I, and I think we both thought the same that there was too much uh, variation in the price between these two horses. I think Sharp Dazzler at one point, well, I know, got out to sixteen dollars, and that seemed a bit silly. Did it seem silly to you? It did, and plus, uh, you know, even the other horse, Jungle Prince, I thought he was uh, quite a quite a silly price too. You know, like he's mm. he's only second start in the race, and you know, he's taking a long time. He's still a bit green, and you know, they 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 always take a bit of improvement once they've had a couple of runs, but. Yeah, the other horse, uh, Sharp Dazzler, they're both owned in the same interest, so that's why we elected to run them together. Um, and he's been very, he's, he's been very consistent with with not a lot of luck. It's only been his last two or three starts that he's, you know, he sort of got to the outside and and you know, showed what he can do. So you know, it was a bit of a surprise, but it was a pleasant one. He's always Sharp Dazzler. That is always very strong at the end of his races. What, what can he get out further than a mile? Can he get out to two thousand at some point, or what's the future for him? I, we probably don't think so, you know. But we don't. You, you don't really know. Like we think his best distance is probably fourteen hundred to a mile. You know, probably keep him at that. Um, and yeah, a little fella, you know, the biggest problem is that you know he's, he's small, and, and the weight will get him if he gets. Uh, yeah, he should be starting to creep up in there now, but um, he's a very, he's a very, he's a great trier. He does his best all the time, and we're possibly there's a couple of options uh, in a couple of weeks' time. There's an eighteen hundred, you know, whether we run him in that or just keep him to the fourteen hundred the same day. So we'll just have to discuss it with with the owners and Maddie, and we'll just uh, see where we go. I'd, I'd try with the eighteen hundred metres, but you best talk to Ben about that because he seems to know everything. <laughs> Well, hey, listen, we, we, we've, we've run out of time. Before you go, though, Yellow Brick, what's happening? Uh, he's he's probably resuming about uh, probably in the ACC Cup on the 11th of uh, May. Okay. But he's going good. He'll have his first trial in, uh, in the 16th before, so he's going good. Everything's going good with him. Good to talk, mate. Congratulations on yesterday. Thank you. Tony Sears joining us. We've run out of time. I don't need to... Hear about your haven't we got another time? No, minutes? we haven't. We're right on the what time. A shame. We've run over time because of your rubbish you were talking there. Tell me about the press room tomorrow morning, will you? Yeah, I have taken out a, a license as an assistant uh, trainer. So, uh, any um, you know help I can give you with with anything, David? Just, call, just call heaven us. forbid. All I can say, folks, is have a good day. Bye bye.